Welcome to This Week in the State Line, a conversation with the local people and local topics you care about. This Week in the State Line, I am Steve Summers, and we're going to talk about something that is out there and it exists because of not only COVID-19, but during the holidays as well. You combine the two. And 2020 is rather unusual. So we're going to talk about your psyche for this month and beyond. Kevin Polkey is here from KP Counseling of Rockford. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? Good, good. Thank you, Steve, for having me on. Appreciate it. So am I wrong in assuming that obviously there's depression every December because of the expectations of the holiday, but when you factor in COVID-19, this is quite a lot to handle. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of different things that happen every holiday season, right? Especially it's amplified if someone has experienced a loss, um, uh, you know, loss of employment, a loss of a loved one, and then these uh, very, very typical holiday traditions are then a reminder of that loss. And now we have to do it without that person, without that, without, without that, you know, employment, the fear that we may not be able to do something. Now with COVID, um, it just amplifies everything because even the ones that were, now we have limitations on being in person with our loved ones. Um, a lot of family, a lot of, uh, uh, traditions are not able to be the same way they has been in the past. So that just increases a sense, for some people, a sense of hopelessness, and then that depression, as you said. So as a psychologist, you've experienced all the depressions every December, but with the COVID, it just is like, oh, man, there's a lot to handle. So how do we start to digest all this, Kevin? Well, I think in in one aspect, it, it is just acknowledging it, acknowledging that there has been, you know, 2020 has, there's a lot of heaviness that's happened in 2020, not only with, with, the, with, with COVID and the virus, but what's gone on with the civil and the racial unrest, um, with the political aspect, there's a lot of things that have been going on and a lot of, uh, of, of uh, media attention and uh, regarding, uh, fear and fear of the uncertainty and and so it's been all around us so i think number one is is being able to acknowledge this and then you know we've already gone through a couple holidays in in 2020 and we've hopefully learned some things from that um we've already been through easter we've been through some of the summer and then in the fall we've done and adapted and did Halloween differently. And just most recently, we've done Thanksgiving. How can we learn from those things and still keep some of that ceremony, some of the traditions alive, um, uh, but we just have to adapt and do them a little different? So as we adapt to the traditions that we are bringing back out, like an ornament that brings back great memories, the focus on the positive more than the negative? Yeah, and I think um, even even more um, more specifically is what you know. I think it's always good for what is it that I'm grateful for in the midst of all the uncertainties. What are the things that I'm grateful for, even though there's been things that are so much different? But what 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 has what's the what opportunities have come as a result of COVID? Um, for some people, it's maybe spending more time uh, with their family within their own household. Maybe they've had the opportunity to th- slow things down. Maybe uh, those are some of the things that may have happened. And so, um, you know, those, those you know, looking at what what is it that I am grateful for right now? Maybe I'm grateful for that for some some individuals who who've had COVID and have um, recovered from that talking about that piece of it. So there's a lot of things that we can also choose to be grateful about. And we talk about depression and we talk about the holidays. 
Uh, it's easier for us, a lot like yourself, a psychologist or someone who has a job and when we're working so much for essential workers. But uh, those who say yeah, it's easier said than done, is there some steps or some processes or some easy things that we can do at home on our own that can help us alleviate some of that pressure and tension? Yeah, and I think you know, in a lot of ways, uh, it, it there's no doubt we can use a lot of words to describe things, and there it's kind of like self care. There, I don't think there's anything easy or fluffy about self care. It really is self care is about choosing to do things that maybe I don't want to do. I don't want to go and you know exercise. I don't want to choose to eat the right food versus a comfort food or something like that. And so making those small choices um, is one thing that we can do. And then what things, especially like, let's say if it has to do with, um, you know, in, you know, in, I'm unemployed right now, you know, uh, you know, I can be grateful for if I have unemployment benefits coming in and then what things am i doing looking at am i still continue to put out resumes still continue to do the things that i can do the things that i have in my control there's a lot of things i don't have in my control but the things i do have in my control are my what what actions i take and how what thoughts do i continue to entertain and add to that narrative so just the fact that you are controlling your world and you're not out of control makes you feel a little bit more at ease. Very much so. And regardless if it's a situational depression or a clinical depression or a clinical mental illness, it still comes down to recognizing what what's out of my what's out of my control. In other words, I don't have any control over it and what things can I do? Uh, most of our listeners are going to be from the Midwest, and we get to practice this uh, every year as the seasons change. Um, we can't control the weather, but we can control what we're going to wear based upon what the temperature is. Right, and that makes the experience a completely different experience if we're wearing the right clothes for that for that weather temperature. We are talking to Kevin Bulky of KP Counseling of Rockford, a local psychologist, about depression during the month of December. Uh, is there some, I guess, relief thinking that 2020 is about over? That should be something that we could be positive about as we go through this. Yeah, I'm. I'm not a hundred percent sure that something magically is going to change come January second or January third. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily magically believe something's going to be different immediately following. But I do believe and have confidence that we now know more. Our medical and our scientists know more about the virus than we did. Uh, eight months ago, and I think our medical professions are talking about what they've learned. I think we have treatments that are now being um, released that that'll help, and I, and obviously we've heard about the vaccines. So I do think um, 2021 is is really to be hopeful about. We still got to get through the current time period um, and build toward that. I, I talk with my clients and my staff all the time. Is that um, Let's say that the the virus is going to be arrested and contained by by the summer of 21. What is the story that I'm going to tell in 21 is the story that I'm writing at this time. What the story that I'm going to tell next Christmas when when hopefully we're in a situation where we can be in person with everyone we want and everyone we choose to be, what's the story we're going to talk about Christmas of 20 and the season, the holiday season of 20? in 21. That's the story we're writing currently. 
Very good advice. So we're talking about depression in the month of December, but let's take it a, a different angle as well. Those who may have lost someone. I know that December always seems to be the holidays where you had that person. And, and since I have you with us, why not bring that topic up if we've lost someone that we love very near and dear to us, father, mother, whoever. Uh, how do we start to put those pieces together? I know it's very difficult. Absolutely. And, and it is extremely difficult. And we need to give ourselves permission um, to be sad about that. And, and obviously there's, there's a, there's a lot of things that may happen with that sadness. Maybe it's a sadness of that person not physically being there and the relationship that you had. And for some people it's the sadness around the relationship that now never will be. Um, but going back to the idea of what we talked about earlier, um, in most cases, there is something that we can be grateful about, something that we experience with that loved one. Um, sometimes it may be symbolized in an ornament. Maybe it be symbolized in a in a in a holiday um, uh, tradition that we do. And I think it's real important that we bring that person, even though they're physically not there, bring the spirit of that person into our conversation. And let's say. At a at a an ornament exchange or a, or a holiday, regardless if it's virtual or in person, that we talk about, um, you know, remembering Grandpa at uh, at Christmas or a, a Christmas memory of Grandpa, and we share those memories, and then we can become closer to the ones that were here. Plus, we're bringing the spirit of that um, of that loved one who's passed. We're bringing that memory and that spirit of that person with us. I think the best part of the conversation so far, Kevin, was the fact that you said it's okay to give yourself permission to grieve because a lot of us think uh, we just have to move on and, and quickly go without giving us that time period to remember and to reflect and to get closure. Yeah, it, absolutely. It's, and, and it's so important that we're gonna we're all going to grieve at a different time period and we're going to grieve in different ways and so we need to have compassion not only for ourselves but compassion for the our loved ones um to to experience um wherever they're at at that time period it's amazing we could talk all morning kevin we could but let me just say if you are listening and you are looking for help how do i reach out to you kevin say i just connected with you and i wanted to talk further with you how do i get a hold of kp counseling in rockford yeah, there's a couple of different ways. Um, you can go to our website, um, www.kpcounseling.com, or you can call the office at 779-368-0060, um, or you can reach out um, uh, to either uh, info at KP Counseling or even myself at kpolke at KP Counseling. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for the uh, the short amount of time today. I know you have a busy schedule, and uh, if we can help one individual through this conversation, I, I think we've done good. So thank you very much. Thank you, Steve. And keep up doing all the great work that you're doing. Oh, we appreciate it. That's this weekend, the state line. More in a moment. The National Runaway Safe Line helps keep America's runaway, homeless, and at-risk youth safe and off the streets. We're here to help 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, through the 800-Runaway Hotline, as well as online services at 1-800-RUNAWAY.org. This weekend, the state line rolls on. I'm Steve Summers. We're talking about Christmas trees. It's that time of year where more people now than ever before are reverting back to real trees. 
for the experience of gathering the tree and making it a family uh, tradition. So I invited Roman Salomon here from the Boy Scouts of the uh, State Line area to talk about their tree stands. Good morning, Roman. How are you? Fantastic. You know, it's a great uh, it's a great day to be out here and um, talk about our, our supporting scouts at the same time, you know, lifting up some holiday cheer for the community. All right. So the Boy Scouts and Christmas trees kind of go together like the popcorn and the pizzas and the Girl Scout cookies. It's something that the Boy Scouts have done year after year, and that tradition continues. So thank you for doing that even in 2020. Yes, absolutely. The Scouts do. Uh, they learn a lot from it, and they enjoy their time doing the sales. So anytime we can uh, be good citizenship citizens to the community, that's what we do. I know a lot of people like to buy their trees and make sure that the money goes to needy causes versus just someone who's growing trees or vice versa. Everybody has their own opinions. So if I buy a tree from the Boy Scouts this year, or anyone does, where does that money go to? Sure. So the the funds that are raised through the Christmas trees and wreaths, uh, these lots also have wreaths, um, <clears throat> Sure, they help support and fund the each of the scouts scouting adventures, year-round activities. So anything from summer camp um, to helping out with uh, other type of like advancement um, activities, but it also goes to help uh, provide necessary equipment for the units as well. Um, so some of these utilize trailers. Some of them, you know, as they grow, they need tents and so forth. So the funds do support and go towards scouting and help the scouts with their activities and equipment as well. So in the past, the Christmas tree stands have been very profitable, and you've seen a reason to continue that, correct? Yes, definitely. You know, the, even right now, scouts are following strict protocols with the health and uh, safety guidelines, and then they found ways to continue doing this. It's outdoor, and um, it is, you know, as, as the funds are, are important, um, even more, though, the, the scouts, uh, the, the adults, help put this on for the scouts because the scouts are learning. They're learning. They're learning to be good citizens in the community. They're learning salesmanship skills. They are learning to communicate with um, the public and they're working on their entrepreneurship skills. So, you know, while the funds are definitely necessary and appreciated, um, what the scouts don't realize is that they're also learning and becoming better leaders. Mm -hmm. And do the scouts get any kind of merit badge or anything for participating in the Christmas tree stands? So, yeah, they, there are numerous merit badges that touch on different points of the Christmas tree process. So, you know, everything from salesmanship uh, to communications, um, the, the the small business entrepreneur. So, yes, they do. They definitely can relate to those. All right. So if you have a little one or maybe you've been thinking about being a part of the Boy Scouts, we'll tell you that in just a moment. We were talking about the Christmas tree stands with the Boy Scouts of Northern Illinois. Roman Selman is here. And tell us a little bit about your locations this year because they've moved around a little bit. Yeah, so there's four locations in the Rockford region. We've got one, uh, Troop 57, they're up on uh, near the Perryville Square, which is just near Meg's Daily Grind. You know, you can find that on North Perryville and uh, just south of Riverside. Uh, Troop 181, all the way down in the southwest corner of Harrison Avenue and Perryville Road, uh, just kitty corner from uh, the Cherry Valley Mall. Uh, Troop 206 has a location at the Harlem United Methodist Church. Um, and I do know on account that they also, in addition to trees and wreaths, they do have in stock roping as well. Um, and they come in 12-foot sections. And then finally, we've got Troop 411, 
uh, Christmas trees and wreaths, and they're right out of the Rockford Speedway area. So um, some strategic locations around the Rockford area. They still have plenty of inventory left. This is a great time and season to get that um, tree. And we're looking, you know, the trees come from local farms uh, i do believe south of mobile county and then there's a couple farms i believe just up in um, southern to mid-central wisconsin area so these are modified trees balsam fir and um, uh, they smell great i've got one in my house right now and, it, and it's, it just smells fantastic and i know that i'm also supporting scouting that way roman that's amazing it's exactly the question i was going to ask you where do you get these trees from it and are they cut down like in what the fourth of july or not i mean these are pretty much harvested locally and most recently too probably yes they are so they're fresh um and it and, and the colors are, are green they're, they're fantastic i mean it, you know there's nothing beats just the smell of that tree you know and um and I do appreciate going and cutting them uh, once in a while as well. But when I know that I can go in and experience, um, it really adults are adults are there to guide the youth. But what you can expect when you visit one of these tree lots is you will be greeted by anywhere from a, a, a 13 year old to an 18 year old youth. Um, welcoming to the lot, um, sharing knowledge about the trees, helping close the sale packaging it for you and helping load in and this is a youth what we're talking about and so it is an amazing experience um, even for the public um so it, it, it and you are doing something to help these young boys and girls become strong leaders as well all right so the boy scout christmas tree stands as you say you are interacting with the youth and maybe you're older maybe you have a handicap you know what these kids they'd love to help out they, they'll put that tree right in the car if you want they'd probably even come to your house and decorate it but <laughs> you know <laughs> i wouldn't count them out yeah definitely <laughs> love the boy scouts and so i thought you know what this is that time of the year this weekend really where most people are going to be trying to find trees and mm-hmm. i saw a couple of the boy scout lots popping up and i'm like you know what we need to find out where that money goes. And so it does go sure. right back to their clubs and organizations. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Cool. It does. Well, thank we you do so much. Uh, how do I have a, a chance to sign up a little one for Boy Scouts? Yeah, uh, how do so it's simple. Just go to uh, go online to beascout.org. That's beascout.org. And, you know, anywhere from kindergarten to the age of 18, we've got programs for both boys and girls from kindergarten to age 18 and 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 that's just it's a the programs themselves are great character development value-based leadership development so we do encourage people to check us out excellent that's be a scout.org is that b-e or b-a so to b-e-a scout.org exactly right thank you so much happy holidays and we appreciate the uh, christmas tree stands by the boy scouts in the state line thanks for having me on we'll be right back the covid19 pandemic continues to weigh on us all but we can turn worry into action wear a mask and keep six feet of space between yourself and others in public wash your hands often and stay home if you're sick go to cdcfoundation.org to learn more this weekend the state line rolls on with rockford mayor tom mcnamara bringing on a brand new month. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Hey, Steve. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Welcome to December, and things got underway rather quickly on December 1st with the five-year capital improvement plan. That is exciting for our city. It really is exciting. The capital improvement plan, this five-year plan, is about a $130 million plan for our community. And what's really great is uh, we have that 1% 
uh, sales tax for infrastructure, and that generates about $16 million, Steve, and we use that to leverage state and federal funds so that we can get about between 30 and $40 million worth of road work done. So we are really excited uh, to tackle a lot of the much-needed road work that we have in our community uh, over the next couple of years. There's so much to do. I know you have a lot of uh, constituents asking, well, where's my street in the mix? What are we going to do? How do you pick and choose where the money goes first, I guess, by the worst situation? Yeah, so kind of a little-known uh stat uh, that we utilize is called a pavement condition index. So every two years, we get every single street in the city ranked uh, on a pavement condition index. And that ranks your streets from zero to 100. Zero being maybe uh, just absolutely the worst. You can't even drive down it. To 100 being you can still smell the asphalt. It was just paved. And so we really look at that. We also couple that data with uh, how much it's being used, how much it impacts our local residents, how much it impacts our local economy, and really trying to prioritize using a conglomeration of statistics to uh, best utilize the finite resources that we have. I bet you there's a lot of discussion with the uh, Rockford City Council about which streets to, uh, to utilize, and do they spread it out throughout the different districts? In our capital improvement plan, we do designate, uh, and we've actually increased the amount of money we've designated to each ward. And so if roughly you can look at each year that the wards will get about $5 million to spread between the wards for what we call neighborhood streets. And so that's the streets that most people live on. That is your sidewalks and your alleys that most people utilize in their residences. Well, we're looking those forward to seeing those improvements take place uh, the minute the weather gets better, I would imagine, in spring. Absolutely. So what we are going to do, the aldermen will decide which streets uh, with staff that they're going to be working on here in the next probably 30 to 60 days. Then the engineering is done, and we put that out to bid, and work should start uh, immediately, probably late March, uh April time period, you'll start seeing the work in those neighborhood streets. So we're really excited about this plan. That's a, a great program, and we're excited about the uh, the improvements coming our way. Also, the uh, hospitality grant program, the City of Rockford extended the application through what, the end of the year, I would imagine? Actually, no. Uh, we just extended it to this uh, past Wednesday, so now it is closed. Okay. Uh, but and one of the reasons we're trying to rush this out, well, there's multiple reasons. Steve, one is the obvious one. Our businesses absolutely need this money. Uh, second reason is we know when they get this money, it's not nearly going to be enough. So we want to file for more uh, state and federal funds. But to file for those funds, we have to show that we're out of our existing funds. So we did purposely create a very tight window for businesses to respond. And we've had well over 95 businesses respond already. So our goal is to fund every one of them and uh, then go back to the well and ask for more money and then get that money right back out to the street because we know how many businesses are struggling right now. So then I'm glad we're not uh, extending it to the end of the year. I'm glad we're just doing it right away. That's great news. Uh, More positive news before we get to the obvious, the COVID update for the week. Uh, Your holiday card winner was announced this week and the card looks spectacular. Absolutely. So Miss uh, Roxworthy did a, just a tremendous job. So each year I've been mayor, uh, it's 
it's tradition that the mayor sends out a holiday card, and that card goes to uh, businesses, organizations, elected officials throughout the state and country. And uh, I wanted to do something different. We have so many talented young people in our community. So for the last three years, we have tapped local young artists to do this. And Miss Roxworthy just put together an absolute beautiful card that touches uh, the news tower, touches our city bird, the falcon, uh, and really just has a beautiful, peaceful message. And so I hope so many people have the opportunity to see that card. Absolutely. So congratulations to uh, Ella Roxworthy. Uh, she's an eighth grader at Thoroughgood Marshall School, correct, if I'm not mistaken? She is. Yeah, yeah, that is actually, that's correct. Very, very cool. So now we have to get into the ugly side of your job right now, the COVID updates and all the conference calls and the mayor calls you've been handling with the governor. So where do we start with COVID-19 for this week? All right. So right now, there, so there's good and bad news, right? Um, bad news, is, let's start with the bad news first. Uh, we, through all of the conversations I've had at the local, state, and federal level, all the experts are showing that the next two to four weeks are going to be terribly tough uh, for an increase of cases, uh, for the increase of loss of life, for increased capacity at our health systems, for increased capacity being needed for our morgue. That is really bad news. There are, though, for the first time, some silver linings to the really difficult news that we're facing. One of those uh, silver linings is our positivity rate, I wouldn't say it's decreasing, although it did yesterday, I would say it's starting to flatten out, uh, which is a good thing. but the best news that we have seen, and Steve, we, this is how our conversation started. We started this marathon back on March 13th. And throughout this entire marathon that we've been running, we've been going in, uh, as fast as we can, but we've never seen any light uh, to show us where that finish line is. And I would say last week and this week, we're slowly starting to see some glimmer of a light. And that light is a vaccine. We know the Pfizer vaccine will start to be shipped out to communities around December 13th. So that's less than 10 days away from now that it will start to see that vaccine. Uh, With that being said, it's a unique vaccine uh, that needs cold storage. It's the Pfizer vaccine. And if you, I've been on a lot of statewide calls, and if you look at this uh, and you hear these numbers, you'll understand we still have a lot longer to go. Uh, we'll, we will initially, as the state of Illinois, uh, get about 86,000 uh, vaccinations. Uh, and I believe that excludes Chicago because they're, as, uh, as always, seem to be special and get their own treatment. Uh, second is we will get, the, the very next week, we'll get about 250,000. Uh, vaccinations. And then the third week, we'll get about 300,000 vaccinations. So we are starting to see, and that's all Pfizer. And we know uh, Moderna is coming on strong as well. And so if everything goes well with the FDA and everything's approved, uh, this will move forward and we'll start to get the vaccination out. Everyone should know that our team has been working incredibly hard on the vaccination plan. We've been working with the health department, our hospitals, our educational facilities, uh, such as UIC, uh, really working with experts. But we've also brought in community members because we want to make sure that those with the greatest need get the vaccine uh, right away. So you'll see a phase one 
A and a Phase 1B plan coming out, and that will include, at first, it'll be first responders and healthcare professionals, and second, you'll go to the high-risk populations such as senior homes, uh, the jail, uh, where we've seen high numbers of cases, and uh, we know that uh, employees have to work in close proximity and care for individuals. And then we will move uh, to more of kind of folks like me and you, Steve, general population uh, people. And so we have a plan. We've been really focusing, uh, obviously, if you look uh, across the country and even here locally, black and brown populations have been devastated uh, by COVID, even more so uh, than most. And so we really need to make sure that this is an equitable distribution and that we are meeting people where they're at. And so our team, and a tremendous credit again to Dr. Martell, uh, I put together a group called the Rockford Rebounding Healthcare Committee. One of the things that they did is really did some dry runs of how they can get the vaccine out. And they did that using the flu vaccine uh, as kind of a, a pilot test. And so we often never did drive-through flu uh, vaccines. This year we did. Uh, And we did them over uh, at the Winnebago County Health Department. We did some out east. We did some further west. So we are really trying to make sure that we can be as creative as possible to get that vaccine out. Because once the vaccine comes here in that cold storage, uh, my understanding today is we only have five days from when that vaccine hits here to when it needs to be in someone's arm before it starts to lose, uh, to lose its efficacy. Well, it sounds like there's been a lot of planning and a lot of thought put into this. So as the general public should listen, it's all going to take some time. Stay informed, stay connected, because I'm sure the mayor and the city will be providing all that information on distribution, right? We absolutely will. And one thing, there's just a lot of questions about this. So sorry to talk so much this week, Steve. But no, I love it. One one issue that I know people will be asking is uh, they're not hearing a lot about kids getting vaccinated. The vaccine right thus far has not been approved for 18 years and younger. It also and notably has not been approved for pregnant women yet. So there are a couple populations. And we also lastly don't know if there'll be an age limit that, uh, you know, if you're 95 years old or older, can you still get the vaccine? And I'm just making up that age. Um, So there's still a lot that is unknown. Uh, I would say it's been a custom uh, of 2020 to deal with a lot of unknowns. Sadly, uh, we still will deal with some of that with the vaccine. But please, people should rest assured uh, the process to which this vaccine is getting approval has been extensive. Uh, I have full faith in the FDA, uh, and it, it will be safe when it comes out. And so I just would urge folks to obtain the vaccine. I think you're right. When you said there was a glimmer of hope as we get into 2021, that maybe things will start to turn around. And that is a, a light at the end of the tunnel. It may be a small light, but it's better than what we had back in June. So, Hey, in 2020, we'll take a, a sliver of light. So <laughs> we'll take anything we can get. Always a pleasure that you keep everyone informed and transparent as possible. We appreciate that, sir. Hey, thanks so much for all that you do, and hope uh, you have a wonderful uh, weekend. Rockford Mayor Tom McNamara on This weekend in the State Line. Thanks for listening. Join us next Sunday morning at 6 for another edition of This Week in the State Line. Or subscribe to the podcast at rockfordradio.com. This Week in the State Line is produced by Midwest Family Illinois.